So this morning, uh, my message, I'll just share now. Greg's preaching next Sunday, so you make sure you want to be here for that. Um, so I kind of had this weird week of I don't know what, you know, where I should be. And so I was just looking at Luke chapter 2. We read Luke chapter 2 a few weeks ago. We looked at the Christmas story. That's where most of the Christmas story is found. And uh, in reading that, I just continued on in the story. And it's interesting. I, I was telling Tam, uh, there's songs about all these things. We sing about shepherds and we sing about angels and we sing about wise men. But there's two individuals that Luke mentions that we don't sing about, that we don't talk about. And so I just want to read their story uh, this morning and look at maybe what I'm gleaning from that story today. Luke chapter 2 says, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now... You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts uh, of many hearts will too be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, well, some translations will say prophetess, prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, Pen, Penuel uh, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, just an interesting portion. Tam told me because I preached about Old Little Town of Bethlehem. If I ever wanted to write a Christmas carol and be famous, I, maybe I should write one about these two individuals. That's not going to be me. So if someone else here wants to do that, that'd be great. Um, probably not happening from this guy. Uh, but anyway, just interesting that Luke... I mean, as he's telling this account of Jesus Christ, he presents these two individuals who, who spoke truth, not just to Mary and Joseph, but to those who are around them in the temple courts. Now, as I read stories in Scripture, I start to think, and, and you know, it said that when the day of purification came according to the law of Moses, there were about 40 days that passed since Jesus was born. About 40 days have passed uh, since his birth, and and we, we, we heard about the shepherds, and, and we see the magi that will be coming. But, but the reality of, of those 40 days, the question I ask myself, how many people in the last 40 days came in contact with the baby Jesus? 
Right? I mean, isn't that a fair question to ask? How many people, you know, what did Mary and Joseph deal with for the last 40 days? Because I'm sure there was lots of comments, there was lots of skepticism, there were lots of things they faced. There were a whole lot of eyes that were on the baby Jesus. Even when they came to the temple courts, how many people did Mary and Joseph walk by but had no idea who was before them? How many people completely missed Jesus Christ, the Word of God, that was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. Simeon and Anna, they were able to see the truth when others missed it. They were able to discern what God was doing while others could not see anything or or what was before them. So today, my goal this day is to talk about a time for discernment. You know, in Scripture we see uh, in, in a prayer, of, we're going to look at a prayer of David and a prayer of Paul that discernment is something that comes from God. David in his prayer in Psalm 119, he cries out to God and he says, teach me good discernment and knowledge for I believe in your commandments. And Paul, as he's writing his letter to the church of Philippians, in his prayer, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. David and, and, and Paul recognized that discernment was, was a gift from God. Not only was it a gift, but it was a gift that was needed. It was a necessary gift from God. I called my sermon a, a time for discernment. In my footnotes about Simeon in my Bible, it says that Simeon lived in a time of lukewarm spiritual con- conditions. Righteous Simeon was devoted to God and filled with the Holy Spirit. I've often thought, if I lived during the time of Christ, would I have been one of the ones who missed him? Or would I have been one of the ones who saw him? Like, would my eyes have been blind to the one that was before us? Because my nature at times is very skeptical. I'm skeptical by nature. Um, And I'm not, I'm I'm what they would call, they have this curve of, of fast adapters and slow adapters. I'm on the very slow side of adapter to things. I mean, that's just me. That's who I am. That's my nature. And, and I wonder if I were around during the, the, the birth of Christ, if I were around during the ministry and mission of Christ, if I heard Christ preach or I saw his miracles, would I have been able to, to see what was before me or would my eyes have been blinded? And what I'm recognizing in this particular portion of scripture is that many people missed. Many people failed to discern what God was doing. What is, what is discernment? It's one of these big church words. Uh, uh, one definition, the simplest definition I found said, discernment is the ability to judge well. And you'll say, well, there's a lot more to that. Uh, Bible study tools, it's a website, said discernment is absolutely wisdom. Like they just use the word wisdom for discernment. 
Pastor Steve, this is my definition or my understanding of what discernment is. It's discovering and walking in God's will or truth. It's discovering or walking in, I guess I could just say truth. Being able to know what is truth is truly discernment for us. But the reality is, much like Simeon and Anna, we live in a time that it's necessary for discernment. Look at some of these things that that Jesus and others promised was coming. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive you. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine and earthquakes in various places. In 2 Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, for a time will come, When people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who will say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. 2 Timothy chapter 3, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Sunday school class. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Having nothing have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their ways into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of truth. I'm telling you, when I read those verses this week, all I could see were were news clips in my mind. Jesus said there's a time coming when people will turn away from sound doctrine. That was Paul's word, but he's inspired by the Spirit of God. Jesus said that there was a time where where, there'd be many false messiahs of Christ and people would run to them. I'm telling you, we live in a time where it is desperate to have the gift of discernment. We live in a time where it's imperative to know what truth is. I listened to a sermon this week and the pastor used a peculiar phrase. He said, we live in a post-truth society. Now, what does that mean? But we live in a society where truth is relative and nothing is absolute. We live in a world where the bar changes based on how we see or how we feel. We live in a world where where truth today may not be truth tomorrow. One plus one no longer equals two, depending on who's doing the math. We've lost truth around us. I want to tell you, child of God, I want to tell you, son of the, of the Most High, who made a covenant with the Lord today, you live in a time where discernment is absolutely imperative. But I promise you, when there is no absolute truth, it's hard to find truth. When you're surrounded or you're told or you're taught or you're around things that say there is no absolute to discern or discover truth, it's a, it's a challenging task. But we live in a time that requires 
discernment. I mentioned the idea of God's will. God's will, his plan for your life is absolute truth. If you can't, you know, the question that so many Christians ask, so many people ask, what is God's, God's will for my life? If you don't know truth, you can't know his will. And if you're not living in his will or following his will, you're not hearing truth. Does that make sense? Truth and the will of God are absolutely connected. If you want to walk in the will of God, you must have discernment in how you're living. I can't live in his will apart from the truth. And his will will not lead me any place but what is true. We need discernment. What was unique about Simeon and Anna? When we read those verses about Simeon and Anna, what made them stand out? I like to look at how people are introduced in Scripture. You know, it's funny, like even in some of the genealogies, we'll go through a bunch of names, and then we'll list one name, and they'll put some characteristics or adjectives behind that name. I always wonder if they were right, if, you know, if God would put me, you know, Jim, what would he say about us? Maybe that's why it's not in there, I don't know, but, you know. For Simeon, the way he was described, he was a righteous and devout man. It was in Luke chapter 2. The first verses that I read, he was described as one who was righteous and, and devout. He was, he was waiting on what? The consolation of Israel. He was one who was expectant of the revelation of truth. How many different pictures did people have for the Messiah that was coming? How many forms had they figured out that the Messiah was going to look like? So when he came as a baby, not as a king, when he came to, to Mary and Joseph of all people, it was hard to discern the truth because of the truth that I had determined. But Simeon was righteous and devout. He was one who, who heard and understood the power of the word of God. I recognize he wasn't reading Paul's letters yet. But let me use this as my example. If we believe in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture is God-breathed, it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, maybe, just maybe, my devotion to God should include this incredible tool that he's given me. Simeon knew the word of God. And because he knew the word of God, he was ready, ready, not ready. He was ready. Tam would have made fun of me if she was just, let me tell you this. My wife, yeah, this is a pause. This is probably flash too, but that's all right. My wife, she does, she's incredible. She puts my devotions together on Saturday nights, typically, uh, as we're preparing to go to bed so it can be up on Sunday morning when service starts. And you know what she does anytime I mispronounce a word? Yet, Twyla, she laughs. Do you know what else she does? She hits rewind. Do you know what else she does? She laughs again. And then I finally say, what are you laughing at? So she hits rewind. And she laughs harder. That, huh? 
Oh, I'm sure mimicking happens, but whatever. That's, that's a sidebar, sorry. I just said wedding, that's why I said that. Boy, get back on track, Pastor. You've got to discern truth right now. If we believe, 2 Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed, that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, then we better be engaged in the Word of God. If we believe what, what, what it says in the book of Hebrews, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to, to even dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It sounds like a pretty incredible tool for discernment that we have before us. If we want to know truth, we've got to look at the truth. If we want to know truth, we've got to learn the truth. If we want to live in the truth, we've got to put the Word of God inside of us. Amen? If you want to know God's will for your life, start in the Word of God. If you want to know God's plans for this situation or His, His truth that's happening, dig into His Word. His Word is living and active. His Word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It's an incredible tool that we neglect in a time that requires truth. In a time where there is no truth, I will tell you I've got truth. It's right here, and I need to spend time in it. I need this to be my foundation. I need this to be what, stand, what I stand upon so I can hear his voice. That's the word of God. Simeon and Anna, Simeon was devout. He recognized God's word. He recognized God's, God's truth. Anna, I love the way she was described. It says that, her husband had died after they were married for like seven years. She was an older lady, and she had dedicated her life to fasting and praying at the temple. Her life was dedicated unto the Lord for fasting and praying. First Thessalonians. Listen to this. This is, this is another uh, kind of conclusion to one of, one of Paul's letters. He says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will you in Christ, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Don't take anything with contempt, but test them all. You know what happens? Today we believe that the Lord spoke to us. I believe that when I speak as a pastor, I'm speaking the word of God unto you. But your job as a child of God is to discern. Your God as a child of God is to test. Your God as a child of God is to look at what I'm saying and see if it aligns with the Word of God. And if you don't think it aligns, then your job as a child of God is to, to discern and receive what you need to receive and reject what you need to reject. Does that make sense? Anna lived a life where she was walking in step with the Lord. Her life was in line with Him. Simeon walked in step with God. You know when I'm walking in step, I know when I'm out of step. When I've walked in step, I recognize when I'm not hitting at the same time. I was in marching band. That's one of those things, whatever. We actually, we had a band that marched on the field and did stuff during the halftime. Anyway, if you didn't march in step, you know what you look like on a field? I promise you heard about it on Monday morning. Because everybody's legs are moving the same and yours were not. Well, we may not be in step with the world, but we need to be in step with God. Simeon and, and Anna, their lives were in step with God. So when what they expected was brought to fulfillment, how many people were likely in the temple courts? Well, there were enough that Anna was talking to them as well as Mary and Joseph. And all of them missed the truth before them because they weren't walking in step with God. 
So Simeon and Anna, they walked in step with God that was through his word and through relationship. And what else did it say about them? Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a tremendous tool for discernment. Listen to Jesus as he's describing to his disciples when he leaves them. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you earlier in this same chapter. And he's beginning to describe things. He says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of The Holy Spirit is the spirit of, if he's going to help us, how is he going to help us? He's going to help us into all truth. Is that fair to say? The spirit of truth can't lead us somewhere that's not true. Pastor's not being too weird right now. It's just the word of God. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. But in verse 26, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you what? Of all truth. Of everything I have said. We have the greatest tool for discernment within us children of God. When we are saved, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. You have the counselor of God. You have the the, the Holy Spirit who indwells you, who lives inside of you, who is the spirit of truth. If you need, God describes him as an advocate and a counselor. If you need to understand what is truth in a situation you're in, maybe you should tap into the spirit of God who lives in you. That's not too novel. But I don't think we know him. What did you say? I'm not sure we know the Holy Spirit. The counselor, the advocate, the one who has indwelled us. We haven't learned his voice. We haven't listened to the way he directs. And we miss what he's telling us. The Spirit of God is inside of every one of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if you want to look at that chapter, it's in verse 10 that I'm going to talk about. One of the gifts he gives is discerning of the spirits. Like discernment is is the product of the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's the relationship we should cultivate and learn. Do not neglect the Word of God and do not neglect the Spirit of God. Does that make sense? Things got quiet. I never know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure if it's an amen for quiet or... (laughs) So this morning, Simeon and Anna are examples for us. Would anyone say that we live in a time that's necessary for discernment? Would everyone agree that it's imperative? So we should follow the steps of Simeon and Anna, right? We should be devoted to God and his word, and we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's one more story about about discernment that I want to share. And, And I started talking about gift is it's something that's, that God can give us as well. 
This is a story about a guy in the Old Testament. And we usually think of him asking for something besides discernment. This guy became king. He felt like he was too young to be king. He was facing situations and circumstances. It says that he went to this place and he was spending time with the Lord. He was talking to the Lord. And God asked him a question. And God said, what do you want? What a question from God. Solomon in that moment could ask for anything in all of the world. He, he, he could have asked for his enemies to be defeated. He could have asked for all these things. God says to him, what do you want? And Solomon's response, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I'm only a little child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. He was overwhelmed by the world he was living in. He was overwhelmed with the responsibility that was set before him. But this responsibility was the will of God that God was taking him into. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or to number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people to distinguish between right and wrong. Give your, give your servant, this is Pastor Steve's interpretation, a discerning heart that can know truth. I'm telling you, that's a prayer that many need to pray. That's a prayer that many need to seek out. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel like you're in a place or you're going on a journey and you're not sure which path to take, if you feel overwhelmed by the responsibility that God has placed in your life, if you feel curious or or unfit to be where you are, maybe, just maybe, you need to have the boldness of Solomon to simply ask God, God, if anything, Give me discernment to know what's right and what's wrong. For who is able to govern this great people? I tell you this morning to ask because I know God's response. His response to Solomon. (laughs) This is in verse 10. It says 7 at the top. Just ignore that. 10 through 13. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked him for this. So God says, since you have asked for this and not for a long life or for wealth for yourself, selfish things, Sunday school, resonate. Nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. I promise you that if you ask today, God, for a discerning heart, his response is, I will give you a discerning heart. If your motivation is, I want to be able to live in truth. I want to be able to live the life that you've called me to live. That's called submission, Sunday school. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. That's it. Awesome. Both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. If we genuinely believe we live in a time for discernment, there's three things that we can do today. We can ask God 
We can be devoted to him and his word, spend time with him, and we can be filled with the spirit of God. We can recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I believe out from that becomes discerning people who worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We live lives guided and directed by him in spite of the lack of truth around us. We can be absolute truth for people who are searching for truth because everyone, I will tell you, everyone wants to know truth. In every one, they want to see truth. My degree is in math. Why do I get a degree in math? Because I like problems that can be solved. And there's nothing better than getting a problem right, knowing that you're right. I promise you, there is absolute truth for you to discover. You made a covenant today with Jesus Christ at his table that said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that God sent him to die for my sin. I believe that his death was the atonement and forgiveness for my sin. That when his body was broken, I was taken to a place of covenant with him. That my sin, my life, my hope, and my eternity could be determined not by me, but by him. And we receive that. That's truth. You guys can come forward. This morning, as we, as we conclude our time, I, I'm going to have them sing a song in the background. I'm going to encourage you to respond, to test what you've heard, and ask God what you need to hear. And let him speak to your heart today. If you need to work on being dedicated to the word of God or being devoted to his presence, if you need to recognize or, or understand the voice of the Holy Spirit, then we should ask If you need a gift of discernment, maybe today the answer is simply saying to God, God, I hear all these words, I hear all this stuff, but today will you give me that gift of discernment? I want a discerning heart so I can live in the truth, so I can be good, not just to myself, but to those who are around me. There's lots of people who need truth. They may never find it if you're not in a position for truth. My chosen moment was there someone who heard, I say that when I'm making up something that I don't know from Scripture. Was there someone who heard Simeon and Anna and it allowed them to discover the truth of Jesus Christ? Was there someone who heard them speak those very words and it changed their eternity because they discerned the truth and obeyed God? Discovering His truth and living in it. Father, this morning in this place, we thank you for all that is. We thank you for these examples in Scripture. We thank you, God, that that we can learn and grow. And I pray for us this day. That if we've recognized, God, a need for discernment, that we would be willing to ask. That if we recognize the need to know, that we would be willing to, to, to spend time in your word, to, to listen to the Spirit of God, so that we can be truth in a world that desperately needs us. Help us, position us, in Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to spend time allowing you to respond to the word of God however you want. If you want to ask, ask. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to go, go, that's fine. Discern the truth.
also want to be able to pray with anyone in this room who has a need. If you have a need in your life, if you, if you need the power and presence of God, if you, if you need the Savior to be revealed in your life, if you need the fullness of God to be revealed in any situation, any circumstance, as a pastor, I'm here to pray with you. So you can come forward and, and I'll pray with you. If not, spend time reflecting on his word. Maybe say a prayer yourself. As bold as that of Solomon. Whatever it takes. We live in a time that requires discernment. Amen. God needs you to be a discerning people. He needs us to be discerning people. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you, grant you his peace. And may you ask God, be devoted by, to his word and be filled with the Holy Spirit to be a discerning people. Amen? Be blessed.